Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Our speaker for today, uh, our speaker is His Grace Tatvavit Prabhu. Uh, Tatvavit Prabhu is a uh, direct disciple of our founder, Srila Prabhupada. He's from Minnesota originally, and he uh, went to the University of Minnesota, and he met the devotees in 1974 and was initiated by Srila Prabhupada in July of 1974. And then he, he um, has had in his whole career in ISKCON a background in writing and in editing, and he became part of the editorial staff of our Back to Godhead magazine. He did that for many, many years, and he uh, also has lived in India for eight years, and he also uh, helped to spread Krishna consciousness in China for, um, for three years. And so he's also taught at our Bhaktivedanta College, our university, uh, accredited university in uh, Belgium. So please uh, uh, give a warm Potomac welcome to His Grace Tatavir Prabhu. Thank you, Brajabihari Prabhu. I was inspired to speak on the topic, Are You the Best of Persons? By a verse in the Bhagavad Gita. We have a Bhagavad Gita somewhere back here. Yeah. I'll show you that verse or read it to you. Thank you. This is in the second chapter. Krishna addresses Arjuna, Arjun, O best of men. So my topic today is, are you the best of persons? Srila Prabhupada said that we should understand the Bhagavad Gita in the same way that Arjun did. So we can identify with Arjuna, although he's in an exceptional Person, he's the best of men. Prabhupada explains uh, about this and what Krishna's standards are for considering someone the best of men. Pusharshaba, Purusharshaba, Pusharshaba. So the first thing Srila Prabhupada said is that Krishna is the best of men because. He's directly a friend of Krishna. So imagine that. Imagine being a direct friend of Krishna. To imagine that properly, we'd have to think, well, Krishna appeared 5,000 years ago. Mm. And he had close associates he took birth in the Yadu dynasty and 
He had brothers, sisters, relatives, friends. So someone who could come close to Krishna in a relationship as a friend and relative, that was Arjun. So who could be a better man than that? Well, Arjuna is having a problem when Krishna says this to him. He's distressed. He tells Krishna, Karpanyo dosho pahata swabhava prachami tvam dharma samuda chaitaha. I'm confused about my duty, Krishna. I'm confused because I don't want to kill my relatives. Could you please confidently tell me what is the best thing for me? I'm a disciple now. I become your disciple and I surrender. So Srila Prabhupada makes the point that if someone's the best of persons, why should he be confused about his duty? Why should he be disturbed in any condition? This is what Krishna is pointing out. In the previous verse he says the, that those who are sober persons, dira, a person who is dira, sober, He's not disturbed by the non-permanent non appearance of happiness and distress. There may be some distress. Sometimes there'll be happiness. Life is a mixture of happiness and distress. These are like the non-permanent appearances of the seasons. We all live with the change of seasons. And even though, for example, it's hot in the summer, the cooks go on with their duties in the kitchen, tolerating the heat. So Krishna is saying to Arjuna, why be distressed? A person who is not disturbed and is steady is eligible for liberation. So you should be steady and undisturbed. Do your duty. But it's very interesting that it's not just the duty of fighting that Krishna is concerned about. His solution to Arjuna's problem is to talk about, in Sanskrit the word is amritatvaya, amritavaya. Amrita means deathlessness or immortality so he's actually telling Arjun your duty is to become immortal if you can do your duty undisturbed that will please me and you will also become immortal so that's what it means to be the best of persons, someone who is undisturbed and someone who is aiming for immortality, he can do his duty in this life. 
Srila Prabhupada explained this point in a lecture that he gave in London about about 35, 40 years ago. He was explaining this verse and he first made the point that a lot of people, they're in the category of the lowest of men, not the best of men, because they don't know how to become immortal. Prabhupada even criticized the whole modern civilization and said that this civilization doesn't understand that it's possible to become immortal. They just accept it. Well, who can stop death? Of course, they scientifically calculate. Well, maybe someday the scientists will discover how to change the cells, stop the cells from aging, and then there'll be no death. But here Krishna is giving a formula how to become immortal. So we should uh, pay attention to this, not the scientists. He says, become callous. Become callous to the happiness and distress of this world. Become callous. Yeah to the happiness and distress, the so-called happiness and distress of this world. You know, that means, who cares? Who cares about the happiness or distress of this world? Because my duty is to execute Krishna consciousness. So this is the qualification of the best of persons. Sometimes Prabhupada said that people object that, you know, oh, if I have to execute Krishna consciousness, there might be some inconvenience. I might have to change my schedule, adjust my schedule so I can execute Krishna consciousness early in the morning, usually. A Krishna consciousness, we start early in the morning because at that time nothing else is going on, you know, well, well before work, well before you go to school. Leave some free time early in the morning. Even even people who are giving advice about how to you know get ahead in the world, they say get a jump on 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 the on the day. You know, get up early and get take advantage of that calm time of the day when your mind is actually rested. So we recommend uh, meditating at that time on the Hare Krishna mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And people, people in general, as Prabhupada said, they don't uh, pay attention to this idea. They have kind of given up on spiritual life. They're not so interested. They don't think it's a possibility. They don't take that much interest in it. But the fact is that we are immortal. When we talk about ourselves, I mean, we have many ideas who we are. There's the body, there's the mind, there's the ego, there's the intelligence. We have a gross body and a subtle body. But beyond those two natures, we are immortal. 
where the atma, that's the spiritual self, the spirit soul. But we're embodied, right? So we have to accept birth and death in this temporary body. We, we accept mortality. That's part of life. But the beginning of spiritual life means to uh, note that I can be immortal. Sometimes people take an interest in spiritual life and, and they're not asking about immortality. Prabhupada said they come to me and they say, Sir, can you do some magic? Can you produce some gold? There was one Baba, you know, he would trick people. He could pull some gold out of his sleeve or Maybe he had a little mystic power. He could maybe somehow acquire a little bit of gold, taking it from someplace unseen to us. Yeah, or he could cheat people. But they might ask also, Prabhupada said, they might ask me, uh, can you uh, perform some miracle? Can you cure some disease? And Prabhupada said, you know, Jesus, well, Jesus Christ, you know, sometimes performed miracles. He brought a person back to life. But Prabhupada was saying, this is all for material benefit. People sometimes think that spiritual life means that the guru must do something for my spiritual benefit. They want to see some magic or some miracle for spiritual benefit. But Srila Prabhupada emphasized spiritual life means to become immortal. Amritatvaya, Krishna explains that. Don't be disturbed by the sensuous disturbances of the body. Become dira. And then you'll become immortal at the end. So many of you are parents. It, 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 it's an important point here to bring out that not only you should become immortal, but the Bhagavatam says don't become a parent unless you can make your children immortal. Huh? That's something to think about. How many parents have thought, I'm going to make my children immortal? Well, I guess we could say, you know, those who are religious, those who are pious, they think like that. They think, I'm going to give my children the benefit of what I know about spiritual life, and hopefully they'll also go on that, go in that direction, go upward. Because that's the aim of human life. That, that, uh, that, that's what makes us uh, the best of persons, huh? Right now we're persons who are like people who are attacked by a disease. We all are kind of attacked by a fever. And the fever is not our natural condition. The fever is this uh, mortality that we're experiencing. Krishna assures us, he says, Najayate, Namriyate, Bhakadachin. Uh, you're really not born. You don't die 
Krishna assures Arjun and all of us, you're never born, you're, you're, you never die. Najayate, mriyate, vakadachan, nayambutva, babitava, nabuya. He's pointing it out to Arjuna. He's saying, all the kings on the battlefield, natvevaham jatu nasam, none of them have ever, have never not existed. We've all existed, always, and there's never a time when we cease to exist. So this is the what Prabhupada called the Vedic scheme. The Vedic scheme is to become immortal. To conquer over death. There's a Sanskrit term for this satchid ananda that explains that we're eternal and we can have a blissful life of knowledge eternally because we're part and parcel of Krishna. Krishna is Satchitananda. So the children are like the father. Krishna is the father of all the living entities. And his transcendental body is Satchitananda, Vigraha. And he's speaking the Bhagavad Gita. So he's not an ordinary man. If he was just an ordinary man, we wouldn't be very interested as much as we are in the Bhagavad Gita. But we find the Bhagavad Gita interesting because Krishna's not ordinary. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't cheat others. His senses are not imperfect. Krishna's not in illusion. So he can give perfect knowledge. That's why Arjuna turned to Krishna when he was looking for meaning. Arjuna was in, in distress, he was suffering. And of course, we also experience suffering and distress. So that's a good time to look for higher meaning. What's the meaning of the fact that I'm suffering? Why do I have to suffer? What is this suffering condition that we all face? How can we stop it? What's the suffering due to? <clears throat> we have to select a guru <clears throat> who has perfect knowledge, someone who represents Krishna, who can present the perfect knowledge that Krishna teaches. Krishna tells us that You've contacted this material nature, prakriti, and therefore your blissfulness and your eternity and your knowledge are interrupted, disturbed. Everything's disturbed. Nobody can be completely blissful in touch with the prakriti, Krishna's temporary material energy. Anything you take, anything you take, Prabhupada emphasized, anything you take, any pleasurable thing you take, it cannot always give you pleasure. So why, why try 
to have lasting happiness, lasting pleasure on the material platform. It's not possible. It's uh, certified by Krishna. This place is a place of suffering. But we try to make it a place of happiness. And then we sometimes forget about eternal happiness. And we settle for temporary happiness. But Prabhupada was... Uh, quite the man, quite the best of men. So he told us, you can also become like Krishna, along with Krishna, but not outside of Krishna. You can be a living, eternal force along with Krishna. And Krishna wants us to come back to him on this platform, eternity, knowledge, and bliss. Therefore, he appears in the world. He comes to this world to teach us. He gives us the shelter of his lotus feet so that we can become immortal. So we should have this aim of life. This will make us the best of persons. This should be the target of our life. Otherwise, what's the value of life, huh? So many institutions, they'll teach you that the value of life is to live like this, live like that, live like the cats and the dogs, actually. Because without knowledge of immortality, anybody who tries to teach you about life is just basically teaching you to live and die like an animal. People don't know the aim of life, this sublime aim, Amritattva. Be as good as Krishna. Be full of knowledge. Be full of bliss and be eternal. We can get this same power as Krishna. But people want to become powerful by their own knowledge, by their science. They're trying to adjust the world. They don't care for Krishna. So they're called blind people, blind. And, and one blind leader has got many blind followers. One blind man is trying to lead another blind man. What's the problem with that? They're all bound up by the laws of material nature. Hands and legs tight. And they can't become free and happy by such an endeavor. That's not possible. When you're bound up by the laws of nature, you can't become free and happy. So for someone who wants to stay bound up in, in, in material life, he cannot become Krishna conscious. He cannot become the best of persons. The best of persons can tolerate the ups and downs of life because he knows that 
whatever I'm destined to receive in this life, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get a certain amount of happiness and I'm going to get a certain amount of distress and I should just be satisfied with whatever happiness I get, not make a big attempt to achieve some artificial happiness. And if I get some distress, that's because of I'm due to receive that from something I've done before. So you get distress and happiness both. But you won't get undisturbed happiness. You won't have perfect happiness. That's not possible. So you have to become callous. You have to become sober. The materialist becomes disturbed. When it's, when it's too hot, then he's saying, where is the air conditioning? And when it's too cold in the winter, he's saying, turn on the heat. He can't tolerate. Of course, Prabhupada said, it's all right if you put yourself in a comfortable position, as long as you don't forget Krishna. Um, I was once sitting with Srila Prabhupada in Toronto at the sun... At the Sunday feast, and a good number of people in the audience were people from India. And Srila Prabhupada quoted a verse from Bhagavad Gita Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam Yome Bhaktya Prayachati Taraham Bhakti Uparitam Ashnami Prayatatmanaha. Krishna says, If you just offer me some fruit, some water, I'll come close, I'll draw near to you and I'll accept that offering if it's made with your heart, coming from your heart, if you offer it with devotion. Krishna says that. So Prabhupada said to these people, so don't forget Krishna, you should offer Krishna what you eat before you eat. Make that, make that you have to cook anyway, so cook for Krishna's pleasure, offer it to him, let him receive the offering that comes from your heart and that'll be good for you because if you eat food that's offered to Krishna you become purified and you counteract the reactions that are supposed to come to you from your previous karma so Prabhupada was explaining to the Indians and he said you've come to Toronto now you have nice jobs you have good cars and you have good salaries. But if you forget Krishna, you'll become a cockroach in your car in your next life. So our aim is just to become Krishna conscious. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Any questions? Yes, sir. So with reference to immortality, we know that, okay, we know that our soul is immortal anyway. Okay. No, we cannot touch it, we cannot burn it, nope. we cannot see it. And the body we are given is always mortal. Yes. So when we say we want to get immortal, in the very essence, we are immortal anyway because we are soul. 
So what do you explain when we say we should try to become immortal? Well, we have to overcome the bodily concept of life. We cannot get perfect, undisturbed happiness in the bodily concept of life. But our minds and our intelligence and our ego are conditioned that way to endeavor for happiness on the bodily platform. So to become immortal means we have to counteract that thinking. We have to reset our mind according to Krishna's direction so that we practice Krishna consciousness. And that means we do some things that might not appear convenient in the bodily concept of life, but we do them because Krishna asks us to do them or the spiritual master asks us to do them take up this practice so we have to we have to give time to that if the teacher says you have to do something at this time that's good for your spiritual life or you have to give up this that's good for your spiritual life then we have to adjust that that's what it means uh, to become immortal we have to uh, take up the practices that lead to immortality not that we'll become immortal on the bodily platform. <laughs> he wants the mic there. This person next to... I'll just talk. Oh, okay. Do we have all same duty or we have different duties? Duties. Dep depending oh. on our relations with our relatives, our job. Yeah, we have many different duties. But, but all of us have the duty to become immortal. There's a question here. Who else has a question? Let's just see who else has one there. Uh -huh. Why don't you give it to him first then? You want ask? Yeah. And then we'll come. Hare Krishna. Um, I'm going to follow up uh, his question he uh, answered. And I think uh, he brought a very good point here. Um, what I meant to ask you is that, yes, we know the mortality and immortality, these two relative terms. We know the mission of mortality, that this is the end, and this is my mission as I'm here living in material world. But immortality is such a broad term. And ever since I was born, I've been hearing this from my grandmother and everybody else. The only thing which I still remember what my grandmother told me that in speaking of immortality, it reflects to the virtues and transcendent to the Krishna consciousness. Yes, one of the things. But the virtues are a mission of immortality. If you, even if I'm immortal, what I'm living for, why am I supposed to be immortal? There should be a kind of mission, goal, aim to become immortal. So now, while I have this material body I'm living in, and I know the mortality is near, now I want to transcend to the immortality. So one of the things which you, as you mentioned about the Krishna consciousness, yes. But Krishna consciousness, in terms of the mission we have to accomplish, how do we death? So this is a dilemma, a perplexing question. And I am looking for an answer to that. Thank you. Your question is, what is a mission of Krishna consciousness? No, mission of immortality. Why would I, why would I aspire 
become immortal. Okay. Well, that's your constitutional position. That's who you really are. So it's like a man who has a fever. He goes to the doctor. He says, please cure me. I want to be normal. So immortality is our normal condition. We should recognize that this bodily life isn't our real normal condition, huh? We all know, you know, it's, it's just marked by birth and death. We come into this life, we exit. So that's not, that's not eternal, and therefore it's not a normal state of life. But our, in relation to Krishna, we, we are, we are uh, in our normal condition. And, and uh, by practicing Krishna consciousness, we'll come to our normal immortal, immortal state. So that should be the mission. Two more questions over here. Uh, <laughs> Yo, you have a microphone here? He could ask a question. He's the man behind you. And then these two gents. After then you can ask so, um, I started coming to ISKCON about a year ago, and it was really uh, connected with uh, it, it. It was connected with a personal kind of uh, personal experiences and suffering that I went through, and I was really asking myself what is what is the end of suffering or wh what is the real solution to suffering and uh, I wanted some answers and I started coming to ISKCON and when I hit a certain amount of uh, when some of those my, my question really is when you get to a certain point of uh, attaining a certain amount of wealth or happiness or satisfaction in your life do you still pursue uh, God as such, or do you still pursue certain, fundam certain fundamental aspects of life? I feel it is a little difficult to reconciliate once somebody attains a certain amount of happiness or he stops pursuing uh, God seriously. Uh, I'd like you to throw a little bit of light on that. I can throw a little. Srila Prabhupada answered this question once he or discussed it he said when someone prays to God for relief from distress and God reciprocates with him and he takes care of that distress somehow he answers the person's prayer the person feels so much relief his faith increases and he feels so happy and then he's not suffering from that distress that after a while he may forget God and just continue with his life and think about how, okay, now, now, now life's not so bad. I, I have this problem out of the way and I can, you know, go ahead. And God becomes again in the background. 
goes in his mind. So that's, yeah, Srila Prabhupada was aware of that. That's, he said that's often what happens to people. They don't become a pure devotee of God just because they get in, into some distress and pray for God, pray to God for relief. That doesn't necessarily make them a pure devotee. They, they, they may gain some faith when, when God relieves their distress, but then they might forget again about their need for God, their, their relationship with God. But it's possible also that with increased faith we can, we can take up more Krishna consciousness on a regular basis and continue to increase our faith even more. It's not a necessarily, you know, that you, you decrease your God consciousness. You can, you can, in the, in, you can continue with, with other people who are trying to become stronger, you can also become stronger. You can take the help of something that is going strongly. Huh? Srila Prabhupada gave the example of a, the boys on the bicycle on the street, sometimes, I guess, in India, they'll grab onto a truck. The truck's <laughs> going faster than them, maybe 30 miles an hour, so they'll grab onto the truck on their bicycle, and then they're going 30 miles an hour. You know, So we can also, by taking hold of Krishna consciousness, we can go faster than we'd expect. That's possible. Okay. <coughs> okay, I'm going to follow on the mortality issue. Good. Uh, I believe that uh, Saul is immortal, that's fine. Uh, but uh, the thing is, uh, why we want to be mortal? Me, I'm talking about myself. I think uh, the idea behind is we want to be known something, that we did something. Sorry, just I have, I have to ask you loud and clear, distinctly, I just missed the last sentence that you said. It was, I, I understood everything else, but the last sentence? What I'm saying is okay, why we want to be mortal. To me, it looks like we want to be known something, that we did something good for the humanity, good for the, you can say, our well-being for ourselves, for our kids, and for coming generations. So it is not something uh, you can, uh, uh, everyone is immortal. There is nothing great about that. So the greatness is what we do while we can do something good for the society, for the human being. So that is the immortality I think we should be focused on. That's all. Yeah, today we were talking, for example, about, I was talking to a friend about Louis Pasteur, the Frenchman, Louis Pasteur. He was a scientist, and his name has entered the English language. We have pasteurized milk that is named after Louis Pasteur. He figured out the process of pasteurizing milk so that people could be much healthier. So he's become immortal, in a sense, huh? He's living... His name has lived on long after him. So there's no harm in that. And there's no harm in doing something good for society. Krishna's not saying that by becoming immortal, you should just forget about human society or forget about your family. He's saying make your friends immortal. Make your relations immortal. Continue whatever relations you have, but make that 
make that relationship work in such a way that you all become immortal. And at the same time, material prosperity and material benefits will automatically uh, accompany that endeavor. I have not touched down the material prosperity. No, that's a total different issue. But Srila Prabhupada did. Prabhupada said that if you become Krishna conscious, material prosperity will not desert you. No, I'm that's, not saying... That's one benefit. That's one benefit people, I, people want. No, I did not bring the point the material prosperity. Material prosperity is immaterial. What I said is that you do something that is good for the society and good for everyone. And that makes you immortal. Well, what is better than immortality? The best people are those who endeavor for immortality. So that's the best thing. Then there are other things also. You, you have in mind some other things that are good for society. There's no harm. Pursue those things. But pursue them side by side with the goal. The main goal, the main target is immortality. Can you think what makes a person better? Who's a better man than Arjun? Well, better man is who, those who thinks about the society, thinks about others, and do good things for human being. Give me one name. Give me one name. No, I, I do not have anyone in particular. You no. generalize. I'm sorry. Well, everybody, I mean, so many people think of how to do good for others. That's our natural, we all want, we don't want to, some people are demons, some people want to do bad for others. There's many people in the world who are demonic, they want to uh, do really bad for other people. But those who are devotees want to do good for others. Those who are God conscious, they, they have some idea that, we should do good for others. So that's all right. Another question. We were on the road today coming here and, uh, you know, if you want to do good for society, I was thinking the civil engineers who make the road, they should make one road, one lane, and they should call it the are you late lane. So that anybody's late and has to go like 80 miles an hour, they can use the are you late lane. Say <laughs> what? They would all be are you late lanes. Everybody would try to use it. Okay, I think we're out of time. Thank you so we want much. to thank His Grace Tattva Vidprabhu. <laughs>